0: I decided I needed to go to church. I had no idea where I was going to go. I got a church a block away on the left, and I got a church a block away on the right. I didn't know where I was going to go.
1: Welcome to Behind My Journey, a podcast that is for our community. In today's episode, Matt Johnson sits down with Eddie Cook. Eddie is a veteran that lives in the Murray community, and his faith journey is truly inspiring. You couldn't have picked a better day to tune in. I can't think of a better guy to have along with me than my buddy, Eddie Cook, because Eddie is one of the American heroes that's made our freedom possible. And, Eddie, we'll get to that in just a minute. But before we jump into all of that, we were just having a conversation off camera. This is pretty wild. You grew up in Murray. Yes. And I noticed you were staring at this picture behind you, and you gave me an education because I didn't know. This is a picture of Murray back in the early 60s. Um, The varsity there was a theater in Murray, right? And then in that picture, just to the left, tell
0: me what that building is. That building is uh, Cook's Jewelry Store. That's my dad's first business when we moved down here from Michigan.
1: So you spent a lot of time there as a kid. Yeah. Yeah, no doubt. That is wild. I I didn't even realize that picture was from Murray. Um, And you said that was around, it burned down in...
0: It burned down uh, about... Two or three days before Christmas of 62. Of 1962. Wow. Bitter cold. It was sub-zero weather. They had fire departments in Paris, in Mayfield, Benton. Everybody here. Yeah, the, Almost the whole square almost went up. Wow. So, Small world. Yeah, that's
1: That's unreal. All right, let's talk a little bit. I want to come back to your military service in a minute, but let's talk a little bit about your childhood growing up and particularly... What kind of experience, if any, did you have with church, and what was your perception or
0: perspective of God and church as a kid growing up? Uh, I grew up as a Baptist. I went to uh, Northside Baptist, Third Almo okay, from uh, sure. grade school up to probably as a teenager. Okay. Uh, my sister and, and myself, we both went. Uh, my parents didn't take us. We had other people take us. That, that took you to church? Uh-huh. And then also we went to church with our grandparents, or we spent the night with a cousin or a friend. We'd always go to church with them. So I went to several different churches.
1: Yeah. Was was a relationship with God or your faith, as you started getting older, was that a central part, or is that something that you started drifting from and didn't really think uh, much
0: about? I didn't really pay much attention to it in my younger years as growing up, and, uh, you know, mostly after a couple of things happened to me. Yeah, okay. We'll changed my team. Yeah, yeah, changed your perspective a little, <laughs> yeah. didn't it?
1: We'll, we'll get to that in a second, but part of your story that's amazing to me, and I want you to share it, is when you're 17 years old, uh, you made a decision, you're part of a generation that, I, you know, when I look back on, I just have so much respect for you guys and what you did. Talk a little bit about the decision you made when you were 17 and how that shaped your life for well up to this day really
0: well when i was 17 uh, i was a senior in high school and uh, i've been thinking about this for a long time and i always knew i was going to do it so i just up and joined the marine corps during the vietnam war during the during the vietnam war february the 2nd 69 uh, i joined the marines and I was standing on the Yellow Footprints in San Diego on February the 10th, about seven days later. You were there, you were in training, and. Standing on them Yellow Footprints. That's and all Marines started out on them footprints. And
1: your whole world was different then.
0: Oh, boy. Yeah. <laughs>
1: Night and day. Night and day. So you, you ended up serving in Vietnam. Yes. And that was a. That was a life defining experience for you in a lot of ways, as it was for pretty much everybody who served there. Tell us a little bit about what that was like and, and how that impacted you.
0: Well, I was the youngest person there in 69 because I graduated from boot camp on my birthday. On your 18th, 18th birthday. birthday. And you had to be 18, to get your orders, go to Vietnam. So I got my orders that day with everybody else. Wow. We'd go into Vietnam. And within about 30 days later, I'm in the bush. I'm in combat. And I'd be in the bush for about four months in combat. I was wounded. I got hit by a mortar, shattered my arm. And then at, at the end, I caught malaria. I was medevaced out of the bush with malaria. Wow. And in process, I had a friend who took a bullet for me who died in my place one day. And uh, that's when the malaria hit me. He took my place and he sniper shot him.
1: That, we, you and I have talked about this story and I know how, um, still to this day, it's emotional for you and it's, it's been really impactful. You, <coughs> you, to give them just a little bit of detail, you guys rotated who took point yes. every day, right? On, on working your way through the bush. Mm-hmm. And it was supposed to be your day but you weren't feeling well, is that uh, right?
0: What really happened was uh, I was walking point one day and I was feeling really bad and uh, about three or four o'clock in the afternoon, man, I just went down like I was shot. Hmm. I and that my, was a malaria. That's malaria. That's my first malaria. I didn't know I even had it. Sure. And uh, the corpsman worked on me all night long. And the next morning, the gunny sergeant wrote, walked up to me. and said, just cause you fell out, you still got another hour, hour and a half walking point. Okay. And my buddy says, well, Cook is sick. I'll take point because I'm next. Hmm. And he said, that's all right with me. He says, you know, you blow up the bunkers, you know, with C4 explosives. And so I turned and took maybe two steps, and I heard a single shot fired, and I, I knew what happened. I turned around, and he was laid on the ground. I mean, I shot him through the heart. He was dead when he hit the ground. Lost your friend right there. Yeah, and he took that. If I'd walked point that day, I wouldn't be here now. If I hadn't had that malaria attack the day before, that sniper was out there. He had me in his sights. Sure, sure. And he just didn't shoot that day because I went down. Wow.
1: That's unreal. So the other thing, before we move on with your story, um, you said something the other day that I, we've talked a lot about your story, but you said something the other day that was, I don't think I'd heard you share before, and I want to talk about it just a little bit. You were talking about how um, there were were more men in the military who wanted to be in Vietnam than there were places to be in Vietnam, and even though you got wounded, you kept trying to go back and get in there again and again. Explain what that was like, and then tell us why those men, including you, had that mentality.
0: Well, the guys want to go back. Well, it was all Marines. Uh, the Marine Corps wasn't hardly drafting anybody in 69. It was all volunteer, pretty oh, much. Oh, yeah. Marine Corps is all volunteer. And when you serve with a group and you serve with, with an elite group, and, man, you're in a hole, a fighting hole with three other guys or whatever, you get attached to them. They're your brothers. Mm-hmm. And when you leave, you feel like you left them down, you know. I mean, I become a radio operator because they shot the radio operator. And um, we all just took care of ourselves. And once you go up, come out of combat, it's hard adjusting to civilian, to life, civilian or, huh? or back to the military life because everything's done changed on you. And yeah. none of us got no counseling. I never had no counseling at all about the Nam. Yeah. So I besides talking to other veterans and. Maybe drinking a little bit. <laughs> <laughs> You're right, right. <laughs> Uncle Bud, you trying know. To, trying to figure out how yeah. to cope with everything. Yeah, and that's how we done it, you know. Uh, we, when I was in, after the Dom, the veterans took care of each other, you know. Mm-hmm. But we was just a little bit different from the guys getting ready to go over. That, that's what struck me
1: about that story is how bonded and committed you guys were to each other. How much you, what it is, how much you loved each other that you were, If you weren't with your unit, didn't matter what you'd gone through, you wanted to be back with them because you didn't want to let those guys down.
0: Yeah, I mean, it's just like your wife or your kids, you know, you got that bond and, uh, you you know, as you get this experience in the bush, you become a trained fighter, you know, Mm -hmm. whatever you got to do. If you're not in that bush or they pull you out and they stick somebody green in there, it's just like when I first started out. You don't know. You're just walking around. You're just an accident waiting to happen. The risk goes yeah. way up. Sure. Yeah. So you get past them first 30 days, and you've been shot at a few times. You mm-hmm. start getting used to it, <laughs> you know. And you start wanting a little payback. So. Yeah. Yeah. Well,
1: I know that from that point to now, um, it's been a continual process of you learning how to how to process through your experiences? You still do some writing from time to time, just to process through the the emotion and yeah. the experiences you had, right?
0: Writing's the best thing I found to deal with the PTSD. I yeah. sit down and write. It takes so long to write those little stories, mm-hmm. and uh, it really makes me feel good. And I hear from other veterans, and they tell me to keep up the writing. And I've been told I need to write a book. But, but putting it, it on paper helps.
1: Oh. Big time, yeah. Well, we'll move on with your story, but I—the thing I want to say is—and I think you know this. Those of us who haven't served and been in the shoes of you and the other, um, the other individuals who are part of our military, we don't understand the price you guys pay and what you go through to protect and preserve our freedom. We, there's no way we can fully understand, but boy, we're appreciative of it. And you know, July Fourth is a chance to celebrate. Um but I think people like you get to celebrate at a deeper level than people like me because you you know it you lived it um you get the the price that was paid for that freedom and I just want to say on behalf of everybody at our church thank you for what for your service and for all that you've done um you certainly have made the Marines proud and as I said at the beginning I I think you're
0: one of America's heroes and yeah. I appreciate it Gonna make me cry. Well, (laughs) he gonna get me all choked up here, but uh, you know, I don't look at it being a hero. Uh, I just I went and done my job. (laughs) I done what I wanted to be. I wanted to be a Marine. I wanted that name. I wanted that name tag, and I got it. And I didn't mind doing what I had to do to to earn that title. Well, you earned that title, and that's the thing
1: about you, heroes. You don't look at yourselves that way, but you earned that title of hero as well. So thanks a Mm lot. So you get out of the military. And um, from that point forward, what role, if any, did your faith, did a relationship with God play in your life? I mean, you had a lot of ups and downs. You've faced a lot of challenges throughout your life. Uh, How did you? What was your perspective on God through all of that?
0: After I come out of service. I sort of had the uh, silver bullet mentality, you know. Mm-hmm. A lot of us have it, because if you survive combat, you think it's going to take a silver bullet to bring you, you down. You survive
1: anything, and right?
0: I, and I believed in God. I just didn't think I needed him. I could do it all on myself. Yes. You know? I could do it. I've been trained how to focus and how to handle bad situations. But all that changed in uh, July 17th of 1989. What happened? Uh, we... We had a car wreck. Car flipped on us going down the road. Uh, Ended up with a broken back. I just got out of the VA hospital and had my arm rebuilt for the second time. Oh man! And uh, I was never supposed to walk again. The doctor was flat out. I put an 18 inch rod in my back and told me I was gonna be in a wheelchair and I was gonna be hooked up to a bag and I was gonna be in pain all my life. And uh, about, I guess after I come out of ICU I was in a room by myself, and all this starting to focus in on me, you know, starting mm-hmm. to hit home, you know, and i I just couldn't understand you know i you know why are you doing this to me? you know, I went through hell and bit now why are you doing this to me now? you know yeah, you're just mad at God, oh, i was very mad yeah. why just tell me why would you take me back and kill me' just be done with it yeah. and I was not expecting this, and uh, there wasn't nobody in the room with me at all and, and TV goes off and the room gets real quiet and this voice starts talking to me. It wasn't God, it was somebody next in command. You know, it wasn't <laughs> no angel. And he wasn't very happy with me. and told me I was a major disappointment and I never lived up to my potential. And if it's flat out, Tommy says, so you even think about it, you ever wanna walk again, you're gonna do three things. You're gonna go back to school, get your degree. You're gonna get rid of all your deadbeat buddies. And you're going to clean up your life and get rid of some of your bad habits. And uh, so that's what I did. It took me a year in therapy to learn how to walk. I went back to Murray State. Five years later, I walked across that stage and wow. got my four-year degree. So, yeah, you graduate from Murray State. Well, let me fast forward a little
1: bit uh, because all of the experience all the way back starting in Vietnam the, having to deal with all that didn't go away. I mean, you've become a very successful businessman. You've got a Corvette shop. People who love Corvettes, they, they know all about you. You've done a lot of things in your life. But when I first met you, I don't know, five, six years ago, um, you were still struggling with PTSD. You were at a pretty low point, as a matter of fact. Tell us a little bit about that.
0: I was probably the worst I ever had it. and I, You know, I, I went to the VA and they said, your generation, it's been 50 years since the war, and, you know, just sort of expected. That was triggering a lot yeah. of that emotion. Yeah, and uh, didn't really help me out none, uh, and I came back home and still struggled with it bad. Just zone in, zone out. Was not happy. Felt like I had a thousand pounds on my shoulder. But and, you're,
1: uh, you're trying to hand again, you, you said to me then, I don't think I'm putting words in your mouth, You've got an independent streak. You've always had, right? And You felt yes. like I can handle pretty much yes. anything. Bit, bit stubborn, is that fair to say? Yeah, more than a bit. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so so you're trying to handle all of this on your own, but it's not going very well, is it? No. Yeah. So so at that point, um, this is where I met you because you walked into Journey one day. Tell me what caused you to come to church. You hadn't been in church in a, about 10 years. Okay. Eight, eight, to, 10 eight years. to 10 years. Eight to 10 years. So tell me what caused you to walk in that day. Why did you decide to come?
0: <clears throat> well, one of the main things that got me scared about the PTSD, one day I was just sitting there having a cup of coffee and it dawned on me. I understand why veterans take their lives after combat. Yeah. It scared the crap out of me, man. Mm-hmm. I, said, you know, I can't be thinking like that at all. Yeah. And I knew I had to do something. It's, I'd go check myself in the VA in Nashville and, They'll give me some happy pills and send a quack around to talk to me, or I could do something else. And I decided I needed to go to church, and I had no idea where I was going to go. I got a church a block away on the left, and I got a, block, a church a block away on the right. I didn't know where I was going to go, and it just so happened, I was on Facebook, and I seen a Carla Stokes. I went to high school with her. Okay. she put up article on there about journey church it says it's unique you need to come to it hmm. and that's what got me to come here man I pulled up almost didn't go in because I didn't know a soul yeah and so you know and usually I get in situations like that I usually always do it because it's just the way I am <laughs> I made myself do it
1: you attack fear don't you yeah Yeah.
0: that's the only way you gonna deal with it yeah head on you yeah. know I, I walked in and I like I said, that place just blowed me away that first time. I mean, the band, you, everybody talking to me, you know. I didn't know a soul that first time. I thought, well, I mean, if I knew some people, it would really help things out. Did you didn't it?
1: tell Carla you were coming. You just no, showed up. No, I just showed yeah. up.
0: And, uh, then second Sunday, I started meeting people that I went to school with and I knew. And uh, and that second Sunday, I knew I'd found out where I needed to be. Hmm. And I've been coming ever since.
1: You've been coming ever since. And it didn't take long in that process for you you to realize, and I want you to share with people how you figured this out, for you to realize you'd always believed in God, but he'd never really been personal. You'd never really had a relationship with him. Tell us about that and, and how that came about.
0: Well... After Nam, I just always had that silver bullet mentality. Is this going to take a silver bullet and bring me down? And a lot of us have that, Certain. combat veterans. But uh, that all changed on July 17th of 89. We had that car wreck and it broke my back. Mm-hmm. And like I say, the Lord spoke to me in that hospital that that night or yeah. that day. Yeah. And then- And I knew after that, I knew I was going to walk. Mm -hmm. I I thought it might be a little more easier (laughs) than it is what it was. And I I knew I could get through school, you know. I went first time, I flunked out, but I was there for the wrong reasons, you (laughs) know. So uh, I went back to school and got that degree and learned how to walk again. And And became pretty independent until
1: you get to the point where you're trying to deal with this PTSD. You get back in church and... um, I know you and Ben Stinnett had some conversations about what it means to follow Jesus, what it it looks like to have a relationship with God that's that personal, where he's always there. And that seemed to click with you. Um, How has that, how is viewing your relationship with God and experiencing that on a more personal level, how has that changed you and the way you deal with your PTSD, the way you approach your life?
0: Well, since I got into the church and start listening and trying to understand things, you know, Mm -hmm. instead of just listening and not paying attention. But it just, it's a lot more personal than it used to be, you know, and I'm still learning all the time, Mm -hmm. you know, I mean, uh, I'm, I'm a little bit more at peace with myself about the PTSD.
1: Yeah.
0: And, uh. Certain times of the year it really flares up real bad, you know, Memorial Mm -hmm. Day, 4th of July, and August and September when we was up in the mountains fighting, and it really comes on real hard sometimes. Sometimes it comes on hard when I'm in church. I mean, it hit me hard, and I don't know, I still don't know why. What causes that? that. Yeah. Yeah. Certain songs, boy, really trigger it, boy, is, and the main thing I, as, as older I get and more into the religion, I it's just a wonder I came out of Vietnam alive. It is. Now I came out by the grace of God. I come out with my dog tags and this necklace around my neck. That's all I, I didn't get nothing else back. <clears throat> and it's, the Nam has plagued me. Um, there's not a day go by I don't think about the Nam.
1: Yeah one of the one of the things that I know we've talked about before and this is part of what what I've noticed and admire so much about you is over the last few years is I feel like your relationship with God has grown closer in those moments when you're struggling to deal with all of that I've seen you not try to do it all on your own anymore like you you lean into God and talk to him about it I've seen you talk to other people about it and I feel like You know, you said by the grace of God, well, you are standing here like all of us by the grace of God, but I feel like experiencing that grace has freed you up a little bit to be able to navigate through this and know you're not alone going through it. Is that fair?
0: Yeah, really. And uh, talk about me talking to other people, but uh, I gotta give a big shout out to Stuart, man. Stuart, Mm -hmm. he really understood the PTSD and everything.
1: Stewart was a guy you met at church?
0: Yeah, just that clear blue sky. The yeah. minute I met Stuart, I said, I need to talk to this guy. He's all right. Mm-hmm. And he, he's one of my best friends. That's why I went to Africa. He says, do you want to get, he said, I was playing PTSD to Stewart. And he says, you gotta give back something. I said, well, that's easy to say. What do you do? He says, well, I go to Africa. On mission trips. Yeah, on a mission trip. And I yeah. said, all right, I'll go to Africa. He says, really? I said, yeah, well we got one. <laughs>
1: <laughs> and you did.
0: Yeah, we went. You went and for a I, couple weeks. That helped me a bunch, boy. That helped me clear up when I went back and see a third world country, just as bad as Vietnam sure. was, and uh, how them people, makes you appreciate being American and, and just thinking, you know, your lucky star is how you turn out.
1: And Stuart was right. Giving back and focusing on somebody else. This is counterintuitive, but this is what you figured out. Giving back and focusing on serving somebody else, even when you're struggling, it takes the focus off of you, and it helps you to get healthier. Oh,
0: yeah. It does. Yeah.
1: yeah. That's the power of it. Well, you've, it's been a joy to know you, and we're so thrilled you're a part of our church. Most of all, we're so excited about what we've seen God do in your life over the last few years. Your baptism video, and if you all haven't seen it, you you got you to gotta go find it online. Your baptism video is one of the all-time favorites of mine. <laughs> um, this guy got a standing ovation when we baptized you because it you touched a lot of people and continue to. Uh, last question I've got for you is for somebody out there watching this who's where you've been. Um, it may be with the military background and processing through a lot of PTSD it may be trying to figure out how to come back and experience God and know God in a way that's personal Just what would you say to somebody who came to you and said, Eddie, you're, I get part of your story, that's me how, what should I do? What would you tell them? <clears throat>
0: That was, that's sort of like the last question is sort of the hardest one to answer, mm-hmm. but uh, listen to somebody, see what they got to say. And, you know, everybody goes through tough times, you know, regardless of who you are. But, uh, you know, tell them open up, you know, and pray. I mean, I didn't pray for long. Oh, I'd pray sometimes, you know, I really, When you need, yeah, yeah, when, yeah when you need something, yeah. I, but, you know, I always thought, you know, I'd do it on my own, you just, Give me the ability to do it, yep. you know. Give me the strength to pull out what I need to do. Yep. And uh, now I pray daily now. I learned how to pray. I didn't know how to pray at first, yeah. but that's another thing Stuart taught me. It's how you to know, pray. How to pray.
1: And and I is it true what you've discovered in letting go a little bit of that independence and depending on God more, that dependence has actually made you stronger, not weaker, hasn't it?
0: Yeah, but it's just sort of hard to... Hard to, to give it up. It yeah. is. There <laughs> you go. Yes, yeah. it is.
1: But it depends on somebody
0: else. I've yep. always been so dependent, yep. independent on my own, and do things. You know, I get her done one way or the other. Yep. So.
1: But now you find yourself talking to God every day about stuff.
0: I try to. Okay. Yeah. And there's still a lot of things I don't understand about. Sure. You know, walking with God through the day because I don't feel that yet. Usually, I got too many things going on. You know, I mean—that's right. You get busy. Get busy, and you don't think about it. Yeah. But you're growing, and you're learning.
1: And I listen. I just want to thank you for taking the time to share your story. And again, thank you for your service. We recognize that you're the best, Bud. I appreciate you. Thanks for what you're doing. All right.
0: Well, I enjoyed being here.
1: Thank you for listening to this episode of Behind My Journey. If you or anyone that you know would like to have your journey featured on this podcast, send us an email at podcast at Make sure to rate, review, and subscribe to this podcast. And if this message spoke to you, please help us spread the word and share it with others. Until next time, my name is Quinn Eaton, and this has been Behind My Journey.